I want to give thanks again to our acolytes for serving today and our uh, technical team up in the booth and our choir. And, uh, and uh, Cindy, we give you another blessing of just a prayer for you guys as y'all move forward. As we turn our attention to our scripture lesson today, uh, we've been in Genesis. We looked at the, the story of Adam and Eve. We looked at the story of Abraham. Today we're looking at the story of Moses in Exodus 11. Uh, now, Israel has gone from a family to a nation. In that time, they settled in Egypt, and you know the story, most of you. They, they became slaves in Egypt. Uh, they were oppressed and pushed down and suffocated in many ways. And so uh, Moses arises on the scene, and God calls him to go back to Egypt. And there in Egypt, he goes before Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, well, who is this Lord of yours that I should let him go? And so uh, Moses does the, 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 all the miracles, the, the ten miracles that demonstrate the greatness of God. And by the end of those miracles, Pharaoh is ready for Moses and his people to get out of town. They scoot out, and then he changes his mind and sends his army after him, right? They get pinched in at the Red Sea with the Red Sea on one side and the army on the other side. And once again, they're crying out, Lord, we're in big trouble. Why'd you bring us out here? And God says, why are you complaining to me? Speak to the Red Sea, and it's going to part, and you're going to walk through on dry ground. So Moses holds out his staff, speaks to the sea. It parts. They walk through on dry ground. And the Egyptian army is crushed in the waters. They make it to the other side. And uh, they've gone through all this. You'd think that everything else would be smooth sailing. But it's not. Instead, they're headed to the desert. And brothers and sisters, whenever we have a desert experience in our life, we feel an awful lot like Israel and a lot like Moses. And so today we want to learn principles of how to find God in our desert places. And so Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord had commanded, they camped at Rephidium, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses answered, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there. So they grumbled against Moses and they said, Why did you bring us up out of the Egypt? to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. And Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me to death. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, Massa, and because they tested the Lord, Meribah, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can you pray with me? 
Lord Jesus, uh, help me lift you up and, and to help us get to know you better and see your presence in the Exodus story. So Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight today. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. With the story today, we see a story of life in the wilderness. Um, Israel had a lot to celebrate. God had done amazing things. He had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. He had destroyed all of Pharaoh's army. You think by now, with the cloud over them and the fire by night and the cloud by day, that they would be confident that wherever they went, God could handle it for them. But no, like with many of us, when we head out into the wilderness or when we find ourselves in the wilderness, things do not go like we often expect. And one of the greatest tests to our faith that shows where we really are in our following of Jesus is how we handle life when we're in the wilderness. Um, it's kind of like this. I, I, I'm coaching soccer with Chandler's team, and I'm going to pick on the boys just a little, little bit. Uh, we played our second game last night. We had a good game. Tied four to four against a tough team, but but the first game was kind of easier competition. The second game was tougher competition, and so th they kind of played through the first game and did really well, and we won easily and all that. And so I thought, eh, this will be okay. Well, last night we played a harder team, and what does a harder team show you? But areas where you're not really that good, and for the first half. And see, the challenge is, is we've got a group of boys, they've got skills, right? They, they can do the right soccer things, but what I didn't really see is, is though they've got skills, they've been playing most of their, their lives like pickup ball. And so they don't really understand the structure of the game and how to kind of play position. And so the first half was just like chaos, right? We had midfielders up at striker, and we had defenders in midfield at it was just like they were all over. The, and so I, I felt kind of like Moses. Uh, you know, they weren't getting on me. Instead, I was getting on them, you know. Uh, but playing that tougher team, that's kind of like life in the desert. When we get to the desert place, that's where we find out who we really are, what our faith is really like, and, uh, and are we there yet. And so that's part of the story today. And it, it reminds me, in fact, of Jesus' teaching when he taught the parables. The, one of his most famous parables in Mark 4 is the parables of the seed and the sower, right? And where Jesus goes and he goes out and he takes some seed and he says, okay, I'm going to throw some on the sidewalk. We'll see what happens. And I'll throw some in the rocky ground. We'll see what happens. And I'll throw some in the weeds and we'll see what happens and I'll throw some on good soil and we'll see what happens well to me this story is a rocky ground story here folks they're young in their faith they're just figuring out who this God is they've seen him do some great things in their past but it's still not enough because the seeds of what God has done has been planted on rocky soil and their roots really don't grow 
go down too deep. And so the wilderness reveals that they lack roots in this moment, in this story. And so instead, when we lack roots, how do we respond? Well, we get mad at the leader. We say, Moses, it's all your fault. You need to fix this. We say, Lord, where are you? Have you abandoned us? And we begin to think, don't we, that maybe, you know, maybe our past life really wasn't all that bad. I mean, yeah, sure, we were slaves, but, but at least we had some food. At least we knew where the well was to get drink, and if we didn't have a well, we knew we could go down to the Nile and find some good water there. But this wilderness stuff, it's all new. And we're facing challenges we've never faced before. And we have no idea how we're going to, you know, how are we going to get water when we're thirsty out here in the desert? We don't have a solution. And so oftentimes, I think in our own lives, that's part of the temptation. Especially if you're a young follower of Jesus, if you're a young Christian, Part of the temptation is when you get into that desert place and the test comes and the trial comes and you start to say, man, I'm really thirsty and I don't know where water is going to come from. In those moments, you've got a choice. Do you cut bait and run back to Egypt? Or do you stick it out and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to fix this, but... I trust you're going to fix it. And I am going to dig my roots down deeper, under the rocks, into the good soil, and I'm going to find ways to grow faith to help me through this desert season. And that was the choice before Israel that day, and they weren't doing particularly well about it. The good news is, is how gracious the Lord is with them, right? I mean, he could have said... You know, first they grumbled when they were in Egypt, now they're grumbling out of Egypt, and then they grumbled at the Red Sea, and they were grumbling last week, and they're grumbling this week. Moses, just stand back, let me zap them, and we'll start over. And in fact, you know, in Exodus, there are several moments like that, but this moment isn't one of them. God is very gracious. It's like he understands, okay, all these folks, they're still kind of stubborn, they're still kind of lost, they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, and they need deeper roots. So I'll give them a little grace in the desert in the hopes that they will hunger more for me and the roots can go deeper. And so uh, that's what we see in the story. They come to Moses and say, Moses, how are you going to fix this? So Moses turns the Lord and prays the Lord, Lord, how are you going to fix this? They're ready to stone me. And the Lord answers Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, take your hand on the staff which you struck the Nile and go, and I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. The first thing I want you to notice is verse 6. Uh, verse 6, the, the modern English translations, I don't know if they do it quite justice or not. Really, the King James may do it better here because in verse 6 in the Hebrew is what's called a henna clause. Uh, the first word in this is henna, and, and the King James used to always translate that behold. And what does behold mean? Behold means behold. Pay attention. Get into the story. 
Behold, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. So what the Lord is saying to Moses is just remember you're not alone. I'll take care of this. Behold, I'm here before you. I'm in your presence. I'm in the presence of the elders. I'm in the presence of the people. So let me do my thing. And so Moses does it. And it's in that same vein that, that we also, in desert moments, and one thing I'd share is, you know, for our church, in a sense, this last year or so, after COVID, this last year with just everything kind of going on, right, to me it feels a little like we're in the desert. We're trying to figure out, Lord, where do we go next? What do we do? How do we face these challenges? How do we overcome these, you know, this and that and the other thing, right? And we got to remember Behold, I, the Lord, am in your presence. I stand before you by the rock at Horeb. And that's good news. I remember as a teenager in the 80s, there was this really popular poem. Maybe you've heard it, right? It talks about how there were two sets of footprints in the sand walking side by side. The Lord and me walking together. But then as I walked further, I went through that desert place. I went through that painful time. I went through that moment where I wasn't sure I was going to make it or not. And we turn around, and there's only one set of footprints in the sand, right? That one set of footprints, we've been, been crying out to the Lord, Lord, where did you go? I needed you in those moments. I needed you with me in that desert place. Where were you? And what was the Lord's answer? You all know it, most of you, right? It's when I carried you. It's when I carried you. And that's what the Lord is saying in this story as well. That the Lord would carry Israel through the desert places. And in those moments when we don't realize He's there, He is still there. And these are the moments where we in our faith have the opportunity to grow the most if we'll let the Lord do it in and through us for His glory. And then we come out to the other side. Moses strikes the rock. Water floods out. The people are able to drink. And in that, they're satisfied. Now here's another point that, that I learned in doing a little research from some of the ancient Christians. One of them noticed this, that what, what were the people thirsting for in the story? They were thirsting for water, right? obvious they're thirsting for water the problem is is that the our one of the ancient fathers noticed they were thirsting for the wrong thing instead of thirsting for water they should have learned how to thirst for god if they had learned how to thirst for god they would have known that he was with them in the moment and so much of our life in those hard moments uh, we need to remember what are we thirsty for? What are we seeking? What, what do we want to fill us and help us and strengthen us? We're looking for water, but we don't need water. We need Jesus. And that brings me to a, a little passage that Jesus mentions in John chapter 7. It's one of his last weeks on earth, and, and there he comes to one of the great feasts of the day, and 
And on the last and greatest day of the feast in John 7, 37, he says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as this scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those would receive who believed in him. And so Jesus here connects with our story. And he says, remember that story with Moses. Remember when uh, Moses struck the rock and water poured out and, and nourished the people of Israel. I am that rock. I am that water. If you are thirsty, come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, I will dump a fire hydrant on you and in you so that it just, you can't even contain it. It just flows and flows and grows and spreads. Like in the story of Ezekiel, the water can't be stopped. And so today, are you thirsty? Are you wondering if God is among us or not? I hope you'll just remember in these moments of testing and trial, God is looking to see if we're willing to dig down our roots deep and follow him. I know I've experienced this in moments of my life. I said one of the clearest moments for me was in college. I was a young college student at Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, if you didn't know, it, it can sometimes wear you out a bit. I was in one of my toughest fall semesters as a sophomore. And uh, I just, my soul began to feel dry. And it felt dry. I was praying. I was reading my Bible. Uh, in one of my small groups, we were trying to memorize Scripture. I was leading prayer ministry. I was leading a small group of other you know, young freshman tech students. Uh, I was kind of doing all the right stuff. But being busy for God doesn't always quench your thirst. And so as I moved forward into kind of the, the winter quarter, um, I began reading Ephesians. It's still my favorite letter to this day. That's why I preached on it six months ago. But there in Ephesians, just the love of the Father. It's like God began to say to me, Chris, yes, pray. Yes, read your Bible. Yes, serve me. But just remember that your relationship with me isn't based on all that stuff. Your relationship with me is based on my love for you. And I love you. And I'm pouring water into your heart. I'm pouring water into your life. Let that water be your nourishment your whole life long. And even these many years after, I continue to try to go back to the well of Jesus and be refreshed once again. Because it was the Lord that got me through that desert place. And the Lord will get us through our desert places as well. Um, and it's not always easy. You know, you would think some of the most amazing followers of Jesus in this world would have had an awesome, close, intimate relationship with the Lord. Like Mother Teresa, for instance. Mother Teresa, who did incredible ministry from the, you know, like the 40s all the way to the 90s. 
You would think that her relationship with Jesus would just be awesome all and joyful and hopeful all the time. But we know in looking at some of her writings that she struggled with an awful lot of emptiness throughout her life in ministry. It's like she spent most of her life in the desert. But she had such roots of faith and such roots of trust in Jesus and such roots of love and care for the poor and for the broken and for the needy that, that even in the desert, she was faithful. You know, to kind of stare at just one quote that she shared with uh, one of her spiritual mentors, says this, uh, she was writing a little letter to Michael Vander Peet, who is kind of a spiritual uh, friend for her, and says, Jesus has a very special love for you. But she says, but for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see. I listen and do not hear. The tongue moves in prayer, but it does not speak. And so I want you to pray for me that I will let him have a free hand. That I'll let him have a free hand. And to me, what's interesting about this is Mother Teresa doesn't really ask the Lord to fix it. All she asks is, Lord, you're in charge. Have a free hand. I'm yours, and I'll do what you will. And so that's kind of the lesson in the desert for us today. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, in this moment, the good news is we're not alone. That God is with us. And he will solve the problems that we don't know how to solve. And he will overcome the challenges that we don't know how to overcome. And he will guide us by fire at night and by cloud by day if we just follow him. And he will dump a fire hydrant's worth of water, the water of life, the water of Jesus, upon you if you'll let him. And as he pours it in, we send you out into Conyers, into Rockdale County, into the surrounding community. We send you out to just let the Holy Spirit use you to splash on your classmates and your co-workers and your friends and say, God is good. He's provided nourishment and water for me when I'm thirsty, and he'll provide it for you too. Because the good news is, is brothers and sisters, we live in an age where where many are thirsty, where many are thirsty. We talked about uh, the last several weeks, the renewal that took place at Asbury um, kind of last month, and it spread from Asbury to Cedarville and Cedarville to Lee and Lee to Samford and Samford to Baylor and Baylor to LSU, and just like it's hitting campuses kind of all over the place. And what we're seeing with a lot in Gen Y is that there are a lot of them who are thirsty, they're tired of COVID messing up their life for several years in school with their friends. They're tired of what the world is selling. And they're thirsty for the Lord Jesus. And so let's be a people who, who want are filled up ourselves and true help satisfy that thirst 
as we bring the hope of Christ to the hopeless. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray just for us today, for anybody here, who they say, yes, Chris, I feel like I'm in the desert. My heart's dry. I'm weary. I'm thirsty. It's tempting to go back into old habits that were destructive. But Lord, in our thirst, we pray today that you'll strike the rock once again, that the water of the Lord Jesus would be poured out, and that in our lives you would fill us to the full, you'd overcome our challenges, you would guide us in this season, that you'd bring us through to the promised land, and Lord, that you'd do and bring new life to us, to our community, and to our world, to your glory in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I pray especially for the thirsty here today, the thirsty listening online, that they might come to you and drink and find life and hope and satisfaction. In the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.